seats and turn our attention to the screens. Grab a seat right where you are. Well, good morning, everybody. And good morning to everybody up in Marowa. Can we give everybody up in Marowa a hand? Good morning, everybody watching online. Hey, everybody up in Marowa as well. Let's put our hands together for everybody watching online. Yeah, come on. We got a lot of people. I know there's a lot of people at home, maybe didn't expect to be at home this week, uh, but we got a lot of people uh, watching online, joining online, and uh, so it is great to be together. Uh, we may be in some different places, uh, but together as uh, God's church here at True North, it is awesome uh, to get to, to meet together. And we are going to dive into our series this morning. And we are in a series called uh, Better. And this series is all about the idea of continuing to make uh, progress as we grow in our faith. Now that getting better, that progress we make is part of something called spiritual formation. Now here's what I love about the present moment of life we find ourselves in. Uh, we are experiencing all kinds of constant changes, what we could do, can't do, when we could meet, not meet as a church, and in uh, almost every other arena of life as well. Many of you, as I said, you're watching online. You may not even be able to do some of the things you're normally accustomed to doing. And sometimes when we experience changes in life like that, we might feel like, hey, how do I keep, you know, going forward? I had goals. I had things I planned on doing. Maybe even had uh, plans that were made that have suddenly get changed. But one of the things that I love about what God dreams for our lives is that no matter what circumstances change in our lives, His ultimate plan for us cannot be uh, derailed or thwarted in any way. Because what He is most concerned for, and this is what the process of spiritual formation is all about, what He is most concerned for is that people that He shapes us into. Now this morning, I want to give you a quick definition of spiritual formation. So we all, when we talk about getting better and progressing, uh, one of the words in the Bible for this idea in our faith is this word sanctification, that we are growing to be more like Christ. We are growing and transforming. Uh, we're using for fun this series, this idea of better, this idea that we're making progress. And here's what spiritual formation is all about in a nutshell. Spiritual formation, I love this definition from a guy named uh, Robert Mulholland, wrote a great book called Invitation to a Journey. He says, spiritual formation is the process. Let me hear wherever you are say process. That's it. Process. Spiritual formation is not an event. It's a process we go through. A process of being formed in the image of Christ for the sake of others. Whenever we talk about spiritual formation, we're really talking about, I, I love this definition because it's quite a simple one. We're talking about the process God goes through to form us to be more like Jesus for the sake of others. And this is why I think it's such a wonderful thing to focus on, especially in a, a time and moments. It's a little bit changing and a little bit, oh, now this is happening or that's happening. No matter what happens in life circumstance-wise, God's dream for our life is we become more like Christ. And he can use any circumstance to keep working that plan out, right? Right. All right. We're going to look today. Through this series, we're looking at someone whose journey of spiritual formation we get kind of an up-close and personal look at in the Scriptures. It's Simon, who God forms into Peter. And, we're gonna, and, and his story is such a great one to look at because we get to see a lot of the detail and experience of his life. And I think he's someone most of us can probably relate to. So we're going to look at another one of the moments. Last week we saw when he first— uh, accepts the invitation to the journey. 
to follow Jesus. And we're going to look at one of the famous moments uh, in his story. Uh, there's so many of them in Matthew chapter 16. So Matthew 16. I'm going to read you kind of a long passage. So read along with it. Uh, for some of you may be familiar, but let's dive into uh, this scripture together. Matthew 16, 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? That's Jesus. Jesus basically, as he's taken his disciples away, and they are now hanging out, just the crew of them, away from the crowds, he says, who do people say I am? And they replied, look, some say you're John the Baptist. Others say you're Elijah. Still others say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Everyone's like, man, something's going on in Jesus, and they're trying to figure out who, who, what is going on here. But what about you, Jesus asked. Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered. He spoke up and said, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. You didn't come up with this on your own, but it was revealed to you by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Pause for one moment with me. You know, in these verses we see this extraordinary moment where uh, Jesus is teaching his disciples and, and he asks Simon, and, and Simon says this great declaration for the first time. Jesus, you are the Messiah. You're the Savior. You're the one we've been looking for, waiting for, expecting. Then, uh, it continues, verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Well, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Now these verses are so... Uh, critical for so many uh, things about our faith and understanding who Jesus is and the life he calls us to. It's part of why they're so well known. And today I want us to key in on how they speak to us of what the process of spiritual formation in our lives can look like. You see, one of the things that's uh, important to realize is that when it comes to following Jesus, when it comes to growing in him, when it comes to becoming more and more the person he wants to be, that process always centers around the question that was initially posed here, which is, who do you say I am? Spiritual formation always is centered around this idea of our view of Jesus. Uh, the idea of, of the Christian faith, or what it means to be a follower, a disciple of Jesus, is so different than any other religion or teaching out there. Uh, religion in general, typically, uh, effectively, you could say it says, here are the things you should do in order to be a good person or a right kind of person or a better person. The, the Christian faith centers around this idea that it is not about what we do, but what Jesus has done for us. 
A lot of people call that shorthand. It's the idea of do versus done. Religion is what do you do, whereas faith in Christ is about what was done for you. So spiritual growth, spiritual formation always centers on who do I believe Jesus is and what do I believe he's done for me? It doesn't start initially with us. It starts with him, with who he is. Now what's amazing is, is Simon, you know, at this point, Simon, he kind of comes to this revelation. Jesus, you are the Messiah. He gets that this is who Jesus is. He's the Savior. He's the one they've been looking for. He's, he's the, the anointed one that they've all been looking for. And that initial declaration uh, is an incredible step of progress for him. He's coming to see who Jesus is. He's taking a step of progress. His view of Jesus is getting a little bit more aligned to who Jesus is. And Jesus commends him for it. He's like, you got this. He's like, that's exactly right. And here's the thing, though. What I, I love about this particular moment is now Jesus, out of that, he's also going to say, and not only that, but because of who you're understanding me to be, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about how about who you, Simon, are called to be. Spiritual formation starts with who we come to understand Jesus is, but it is also always about who Jesus is forming us to be. And so Jesus says, you are Simon, but I'm telling you what, I'm going to give you a new name. I'm going to call you Peter. You are going to be Peter. And if you're familiar with the scriptures, you know Peter means rock. This is Jesus saying, you used to be one person, Simon, but I'm going to make you into a whole new person, Peter. And not just, uh, not just like he changed his name, like he could have picked any name. Like, you know what, let's just give you a new name. Let's go from Simon to Dave. You know, let's just call you Dave now. It wasn't that kind of change of name. He was saying, I'm going to make you a rock. I'm going to make you someone who is strong and consistent and who can persevere and on whom the kind of person I could build my church. Do you know this this morning? Jesus has a view of who he's created you to be. Jesus sees both who we are today and he sees the person he wants to form us to be. At the center of that transformation is not it's not just, hey, try and do better and be a little bit more who you're supposed to. At the center of that transformation is a growing knowledge of who Jesus is. The more you get to know him, the more you will be shaped by him to become who he's calling you to be. You know, this uh, idea of making progress, uh, a part of the reason that, you know, I say I think it's so important and so helpful and so focusing and so clarifying, even in a time when circumstances can feel out of control in your life. Uh, uh, maybe as, as some of you may feel that even now and different things going on or whatever the situation you find yourself in. But when you begin to realize that what Jesus is most interested in is you knowing more of who he is and you becoming more of who he wants you to be, then every situation in life becomes a context where Jesus can continue to shape and refine you. Jesus says, you are Simon, but you're going to be a rock. You're going to be a rock. You're not yet, but you will be. I love this quote by a, a writer named Charles Swindoll. He talks about, in lots of ways, you could call this spiritual formation. He calls it character formation uh, in some of his writings. Uh, he says this. He says, God is forever on a quest. Have you ever thought about that? His pursuit is a subject woven through the fabric of the New Testament. 
The pattern he follows is set forth in Romans 8, 29, where he promises to conform us to his son's image. Another promise is stated in Philippians 1, 6, where we're told he began his work in us and he isn't about to stop. Elsewhere, he even calls us his workmanship. He is hammering, filing, chiseling, and shaping us. Peter's second letter goes so far as to list some of the things included in that quest. Diligence, faith, moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, kindness, and love. In a word, character. He goes on, he says just a couple other. He says character qualities in his children. That's God's relentless quest. His strobe light will continue to penetrate our darkness. He won't quit his quest until he completes his checklist. And when will that be? When we rest in peace and not one day sooner. Only then will his mission be accomplished in us. We have him to thank for not giving up as we go through the process of developing character. I love those words because they remind me God has a vision for my life. He has a vision for your life. He has a vision for the life of every follower of Jesus, a dream for every person in this world. And his dream is that we become conformed to the image of Christ. And that is not a process that you get to tick a box and say, I'm done. Whether you just started following Jesus yesterday or have been for years, he has never gives up on this process of forming us and shaping us, of using the various ups and downs of life to hammer and chisel and file and shape us to become more like Jesus. You see, what I love about Peter's experience of this, and I think it's so helpful for, I know for myself, and I hope it's helpful and encouraging to you today, is that it reminds us that that process is not always a linear process. You see, the first thing I hope you can just grab hold of today is to be reminded of this. That process is not done in your life. God is still on a quest. He's still shaping you. He's still got more he wants to do in your life. He wants to keep shaping you into the person he's calling and dreams you to be. So I hope you know there's, that never stops. Then the encouraging side of that as well is to realize this. Sometimes when we think about making progress, we feel like, well, we hope it's kind of just going to be this linear trajectory and we'll just keep moving towards, you know what? I mean, Simon might have felt like, Jesus said, I'm going to be Peter. Let's go. He's going to build his church on me. I'm going to be that rock. I'm going to be a little bit better tomorrow, a little bit better the next day. I bet in a few weeks, Jesus, I can have this thing, you know, really right where you want me. But Simon's life is this great reminder that, you know what? It's not always, you know, just kind of up and, up and to the left. Isn't it amazing? I mean, how many people, wherever you are right now, how many people have had uh, some moment in your faith, in your walk with Christ, that you could call almost a pinnacle, almost like a mountaintop moment where you felt like you understood who God was, who Jesus was. You felt the joy of salvation. It was just one of those like, wow, this is great. Who's ever had a mountaintop moment? Wherever you are, just a hand up somewhere, just, you know. And who's ever had a moment where you feel like, I'm not sure Jesus is there at all. I don't understand God. I feel like I'm not on a mountaintop. I'm in a valley. I feel like it's dark, cloudy, foggy. I don't know what's going on. Who's ever had a moment like that? I've had moments like that. What I find encouragement from is that in Peter, who is a hero of the faith, one of the people Jesus built his church on, Never before in the history, probably, of people following Jesus has someone stacked such a high moment right next door to such a low moment. 
His guy goes in one instance from, that's right, Peter, I can build my whole church on your confession here on who you are. I mean, Jesus, you, it, Jesus is like my Father in heaven revealed it to you. Like Simon in that moment when Jesus is giving him the like, great job. This is my, you know, well done. You're going to be Peter. He must have felt like, this is as good as it gets. How great. You know, look, I finally got one right. He's probably looking at the other 11, uh, you know, going, look, guys, I'm, I nailed it. You know, I got the gold sticker and a half. This is as good as it could get. And then two verses later, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. How are you going to go from being told that is you nailed it to getting called Satan by Jesus? Like, that's rough. Talk about, okay, maybe I've lost my way a little bit. <laughs> Feel like I um, maybe took a bit of a left turn here. I just love the fact that it says, you know, Jesus starts teaching that he's going to have to go to Jerusalem. That he's going to have to suffer. He's going to have to go to the cross. He's going to be handed over. He starts teaching this. And Simon is like, whoa, whoa, hold on. It says he pulled Jesus aside and began to, to rebuke. Like, no, don't. Can you imagine being like, how confident he was in that moment. Jesus, you've got it wrong. Let me correct your thinking. <laughs> oh, man. But yet, how often is that possible that happens in my life, that I want to come to Jesus and say, I think you've got this wrong. And Jesus says, no, Simon, the way you're going to grow, the way you're going to become who I'm calling you to be, is I need you to start understanding not who you want me to be, but who I actually am. You see, what was becoming the stumbling block for Simon was Simon had no place for the Messiah to experience suffering. Simon's view of who Jesus was, Simon's view of what the Messiah was called to do, Simon's view was not yet large enough. And for him to grow, Jesus had to reshape his vision of who he was. He had to help Simon come to understand you want, you know, you want the, the, the crown without the cross, Simon. You want to avoid the suffering, Simon. But actually, this is how it has to go. The Son of Man must be handed over. He must go to the cross, and he must rise again. He enlarges Jesus. Jesus enlarges Simon's view of who he is. You see, for every one of us here, I guess my hope and encouragement for each one of us is to say, to you today from these verses, don't give up on growing in Christ. Never stop allowing Jesus to enlarge your vision for who he is. And I know for myself, I hope for all of us to realize that a big part of being able to do that is also always being uh, humble enough to know Jesus, I know I don't have you figured out just yet. You see, whenever we hit a circumstance like what Simon did, where all of a sudden he feels like the pathway up ahead is not what he was hoping, dreaming, planning, we're, we're either going to say, okay, Jesus, what can I now learn about you uniquely in this situation? Or it just hits a loggerhead, because Jesus is not going to shrink himself to our expectation. And so the process of following him is to be able to say, Jesus, you are God. I am not. You're the Christ. You're the Messiah. And even if I don't quite understand what's coming up ahead, can you help me to learn something new of who you are? 
And that's where growth takes place. As we get to know Jesus more and more, as we allow Jesus to tear down the false conceptions that we have of him at times and who we want him to be and allow him to keep enlarging our vision and clarity of who he actually is. And as we do that, we get changed. We get shaped. Simon didn't exit the spiritual growth right here. He took a hard rebuke. He hit a big valley for a moment. But he didn't quit. He kept allowing Jesus to teach him and instruct him. And guess what? Little by little, Jesus helped Simon become the rock who could write all these words. And, you know, if you read 1st, 2nd Peter, you'll hear the words of a rock, a pillar of faith. You know, when we are reminded that walking with Jesus, it is about this growth and spiritual formation, then then allows us to go from faith being something that we kind of ticked a box or got a correct answer on a form at one point in our lives. And it reminds us that life is a journey of constantly learning to know Jesus more. And as we do that, we are formed more and more into his image for the sake of others. Jesus even says, you know, you're a rock. I can build my church on you. He's helping Simon understand, I'm going to change you. I'm going to shape you. And it's not going to be so that you can kind of, oh, good, look how great I am or what I did. No, it's, for, it's so that we can become part of Jesus' bigger story, bigger plans, bigger purpose, bigger dreams. That's why he forms us. And every one of us, God looks at you and he looks at me and he's got a dream for your life and how you are a part of the bigger plans and bigger story that he's writing in this world. And he wants to shape you and form you and chisel you to become the person he dreams you to be. And that process is, as I said, it is never over. We never stop. It's always ongoing. If we will just keep engaging with him, keep getting away to listen to him, to learn from him, to be with him, that's how the process keeps going. And I want to give you one last bit of encouragement on that process, and that's this, just to just to be reminded because it can be easy to feel like, yep, I want to grow. Yep, I want to be a part. I want to be on that journey of spiritual formation. Yep, I want to keep getting where Jesus wants me to be. But it's so encouraging to be reminded that that journey is sometimes one step forward. Peter had like two big steps forward, and then all of a sudden got rocketed back like three steps. Get by, you know, it's just not always linear. You know, we had, uh, when we had our, our son Asher, who is now seven, eight months old, we re-entered the phase of life with a baby that you go through where conversations often revolve around sleep. No one even asks us that, you know, hey, how are you going? They say, hey, are you sleeping? You know, it's just, when you got a baby, that's the way it is. I remember back when he was only a, a few weeks old or a month old or two months. I don't remember because you lose all sense of time when you have a baby. Uh, but I can remember the first time he slept through the night. And he slept through the night. And when you experience that with a baby, it feels like the most extraordinary thing on, on earth. If you've ever experienced that. Some of you just slept through the night last night. And you didn't know you were experiencing one of God's great miracles. And uh, you just took it for granted. But I remember one of the first times he fell. And we thought, well, this is it. We've arrived. We're here. We're into that phase where now we'll sleep through the night. And then the next night, he did not sleep through the night. 
And then we're like, okay, wait a second, what do we do that day? Let's try to replicate all the scenarios, all the situations. Now I remember I ate, I ate Nutrigrain for breakfast. Maybe if I eat Nutrigrain for breakfast, that'll make him, and you try to do everything you can. But then it's like, no, now it's not even he's not. It's like it went worse or something. And then you're like, okay, well, let's not do that. Let's try, oh, look, he slept through the night. And this weird kind of, you know, almost unicorn moment pops up. And you're like, oh, let's do everything we did that day. And then you realize, like, wait, we can try, it's just not. And, and someone uh, sent this photo to, to my wife at one point about here's what it kind of looks like. When you have a baby, you see this one on the left, your idea is that they'll be born and they'll gradually learn to sleep through the night. And then at the top, they'll just sleep through the night. It'll be great. But then in reality, they're born and it looks more like that. It goes left and right and up and down and forward and backward. I learned this thing called sleep regression. I'm like, I've got no room for regression in my life. We're going forward. Progress, sanctification, baby sleep, you know? But, but I love this chart because this could just as easily be what spiritual formation looks like. We sometimes think, yep, come to Christ, they'll go. But it's good to be reminded if you find yourself like, man, I thought I'd be farther than where I am right now. I thought maybe at this point in my life, I'd be a little bit further in the journey. I feel like I know the dreams Jesus has for me, but they feel really far away right now. You know what? It is literally spiritual formation is the invitation to a journey. And what I love about sleep is, you know what, uh, why that chart's encouraging? Eventually, kids sleep through the night. I slept through the night until recently, you know, like I knew. <laughs> Some point it changes. But it's not always just as simple as, yep, great, onward, upwards, onward, upwards. The journey of faith, the journey of spiritual formation is allowing Jesus to keep meeting us on every left turn, right turn, backward step, forward. It is a journey, but it's a journey that we stay engaged on if at every point we will continue to meet with Jesus and say, Lord, what can I learn about who you are and what do you want to teach me about who I am? If we will constantly spend time engaging with Jesus around those two questions. Who, Jesus, can you teach me more about who you are? And can you show me more of who you're calling me to be? That's what happened right here for Simon Peter. It's how he became who he was. You know, there's this amazing rhythm that you see of Jesus with his disciples here. And this is the the kind of last piece I want to leave with you today, that if you're going, okay, what do I do with this this week, or how can I lean into this? If you want to keep just staying on that journey of, of progressing, of making progress, of knowing you're, you're actually engaging the process of spiritual formation, it's not about trying to find uh, necessarily, uh, can I just be a little bit kinder this week or work harder at, at not losing my temper or, or whatever the thing is. At its heart, the process is about engaging life and then withdrawing with Jesus to process life. So the disciples, if you're reading through the chapters and what's been happening right before this moment, you see the disciples have been out, they've been doing ministry, they've been engaged in all kinds of activity and life, if you will. But then we're told at the beginning of this scene, it says they went to Caesarea Philippi. My Hebrew professor used to compare this little region always to, it's almost like going away to a spa or a, or a weekend retreat. Is a place to get away from the crowds. Is a place with this beautiful grotto, you know, water flowing out of these caves. It's this extraordinarily beautiful place. And it's like Jesus just takes his disciples and is like, all right, we've been doing a whole bunch of stuff, but now we're going to get together, we're going to get alone, and we're going to talk about who am I and who you're going to be. 
Can I ask you today, do you have that rhythm in your life? Do you have places and spaces and times and moments where you get away with Jesus and not to say, Jesus, here's how I think the plan should be going, but spaces where you actually engage that, you know, Lord, would you help me to understand more of who you are? And Lord, would you help me to understand more of who you're calling me to be? One of the very best questions that I remember hearing you can always ask as a follower of Jesus is just to say to Jesus, Lord, if I'm to become more conformed to your image, that's what he wants for us. That's the dream. That's spiritual formation. What's the next step I need to take? You know, what are the things that you see in me, Jesus, that maybe I'm missing? And sometimes we need friends and mentors and perspective from other people, but to be constantly asking these questions, Jesus, can you help me to understand more of who you are? And can you help me to understand who you're calling me to be and how I can keep growing in that? Where's that space going to be in your life? Is it early in the morning if you're, you know, uh, engaging in, in, in a time and a moment like that? Is it, ga- you know, grabbing space over a lunch break or in the afternoon or the evening? I, my point's not to be prescriptive how you're going to do it, but if our lives do not find some kind of rhythm of engaging life and then withdrawing to be with Jesus, and not just withdrawing, going, now I can pray, Jesus, please do this, X, Y, Z. I get there's place for that. But withdrawing to, to say, Jesus, help me to understand more of who you are and more of who you're calling me to be. Get a notebook, journal, spend time, walk with him, whatever is going to work for you. But that's the place that we engage the process of making progress. And progress that centers on understanding who Jesus is and who he's calling us to be. You know, I'd love to pray for you today. Every one of us online up in Marowa, right here in Malu, wherever we are, we're all experiencing different circumstances in our life. We, that's just, that's the nature. All of us have a different journey we're on. But what's common is that the Lord wants to meet with each one of us, that he has a unique vision for who each one of us becomes and wanting us to grow in our knowledge of him. So I'd love to pray for you. I'm going to invite you to stand. Wherever you are, just stand up. If you want to be a part of this prayer, we often just do this a a simple thing, which is to open up our hands. It's a way of saying, you know, Lord, I just want to receive from your Holy Spirit. Would you begin to work this out, your plans, your purposes in my life? So if you want to be part of this prayer, just open your hands up. Come, Holy Spirit, in this moment. We welcome your work in our lives. We know that you want to work out your good, pleasing purposes in each one of us. So, Lord, my prayer today is quite simply that every person here today, knowing they want to engage this process of of little by little, step by step, growing to understand more of who you are. I pray that this week as they meet with you, that in those quiet spaces that will not be seen by anyone but you, I pray that in those moments, you will reveal a little bit more of who you are to them. Reveal more of your love, your goodness, your grace, your favor. The the wideness and extraordinary, unbounding depths of your mercy and grace. I pray you'd reveal more of your love to them. 
more of your heart. And Lord, I pray that as they get to know you more, grow in their knowledge of who you are as you reveal it to them. I pray that your gentle, loving voice will just continue to hammer, shape, chisel, lead them forward into the person you're calling them to be. I pray that they would never feel discouraged But Lord, that you'd give all of us the patience to accept that sometimes it's forward, sometimes it's back, sideways. But Lord, we, may we never get off that path. So Holy Spirit, come and refresh and enlarge our experience of you, the living God. May we be transformed by it make just a little bit of progress, no matter how tiny it seems. May we make a little bit of progress each day as we follow you. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness, your faithfulness, and your mercy. Thank you that you never, ever give up on us. Thank you that you have such wonderful, beautiful plans for every person listening to this prayer. I pray they just know a little bit more of you this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Lead us in another song, and I've um, just felt that. Now